And now, a bit of romance. Two girls on a quest to find which rom-com is the best. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Hello, and welcome to P.S. I Love Rom-coms, a podcast where we usually discuss classic rom-coms. But for the month of October, we're getting spooky. That's right. Brace yourselves for when Scary met Sally and for some crazy, stupid blood. I'm Mia. <laughs> and I'm Allie. P.S. I Love Rom-Coms is a podcast where Mia and I, rom-com lovers, watch a new rom-com every week, look into our crystal balls to try to answer that age-old question, which rom-com is the best rom-com of all time? But this month, we're going to be going one genre deeper and taking on the hybrid of rom-com horror films. Ooh, Ooh spooky! <laughs> and joining us today is a very talented comedian, actress, and writer. She hosts the popular and spooky podcast called A Funny Feeling, where her guests share true paranormal experiences. And if she was in a rom-com, she'd be a widowed potter whose murdered husband comes back as a ghost to solve banking mysteries and make sexy pots with her. It's the one and only Marky John. Hi. I thought for a moment you were doing like a Harry Potter crossover, but then I realized it was like a ghost, uh, the movie ghost. Uh, hi. Yes. Thank hi. you guys for having me. Oh, thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh. So excited to have you on. And and I personally so excited to get to talk to you both about the movie we watched today. Oh, I am too. I kind of can't believe I forgot how much I used to love this movie. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Okay. Well, okay, so before before we dive into the movie discussion, because oh, I have some thoughts as well. <laughs> um, but uh, before we start off, uh, we like to start each episode with a little segment called Which Rom-Com Heroine or Hero Are You Channeling? Where we equate the experiences we've had this week with the famous rom-com hero or heroine. Um, and I'll start us off uh, this week. Um, so this week, uh, I'm channeling uh, Colin Firth's character um, <laughs> from uh, Love Actually. He oh. plays, yeah, um, he plays Jamie, a struggling uh, like mystery novel writer. Um, and I'm channeling like a very specific part of that movie where um, Colin Firth like has like has like a bunch of bags and like he's going to go visit his family for the holidays and he like walks into the front door and everyone's like uncle jamie you're here for christmas and he's like i i have to go and everyone's like i love uncle jamie no i hate uncle jamie and then okay i've, I've seen this movie a lot um but um <laughs> I just feel like um, for the first time in a while, I like have some stuff going on where like I'm moving, I'm doing some safe social distance hangs with friends. And uh, I forget that I'm like not good at scheduling or I'm re-remembering that I'm bad at scheduling. Mm -hmm. And so like um, I, I've been doing a lot of things where like I was going to have breakfast with my parents and I showed up. I was like 30 minutes late and I showed up and I was like, mom, dad, hi. And then uh, 20 minutes later, I was like, I have to go. I, uh, <laughs> I have a Zoom call that I have to go be on. Um, and so... I've been doing a lot of weird, like, 20-minute, 15-minute hangs. Um, but you know what? It's nice to be busy. So um, that's who nice. I'm channeling. Wow. And I also think just 2020, COVID, quarantine, everything that's happening, I can, like, barely remember what day it is. So I, mm -hmm. like, I, I agree where it's – I think it's just hard to remember when you're supposed to do things um, now that we're, like, not doing anything. Yeah, I've and I don't know how long it takes to drive anywhere anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm so <laughs> totally because you're like, is this a normal day or is this a COVID day? I don't know. Yeah, it's like at the very beginning, it was like you can get to Santa Barbara in 45 minutes, <laughs> but that lasted fully like three weeks, and then yeah. it was like we're still gonna do what we want to do, right? <laughs> yeah, 
I remember I like looked up and I was like, oh my god, I wonder how long it takes to get to the beach. And I looked and I was like, oh, still an hour and a half. Okay. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. That but that's who I'm channeling this week. Mia, who are you channeling? Okay, so this is, I think this will get dark, but then I hope it will get funny. So we'll see. We'll <laughs> <laughs> try this out. That's but, okay. Um, it's okay if it's dark. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is this is gonna come out in a few weeks, but obviously, like we're in the middle of a very bad news week. Uh, we've had this is like we've had the passing of RBG. We've had the Brianna Taylor ruling come out. So it's been um, just like quite quite the bummer of a news week. And um, when I'm like pretty bummed out or uh, like feeling the weight of the world, I I will t- typically try to escape into a rom com. Or um, usually Harry Potter, but right now here, like the <laughs> the political story in Harry Potter is like too similar to what's <laughs> happening. So it's like okay, can't do Harry Potter. So um, what I did do was I did um, watch all of the Twilight series this week. <gasps> oh. Yes, for the first wow. time. In, for the first for, time? Well, no, no, no. Sorry, oh. absolutely not. You know me, absolutely not. But, <laughs> but it, for some of them, it had been like a long time. Like I forgot the plot of Breaking Dawn Part Two completely. Um, and I love, so you love to see it. But um, so I am channeling um, Elle Woods's character in the beginning of Legally Blonde when she's eating the chocolates and watching the soap opera and like throws them at the. TV and is like, he trusted you! Because, <laughs> like, again, I'm trying so hard to just, like, watch something to escape in. And at Breaking Dawn Part 2, there's, like, sort of a government group of vampires <laughs> that's, like, drunk with <gasps> power. And, yeah. I, and I just, like, can't help but just be, like, I mean, with everything that's happening, be like, they trusted you to be leaders and you're drunk with power! <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, everything is home. And it's like a bunch of vampires. It's it's but I I was yeah, I'm definitely like in my pajamas screaming at the TV, projecting my own emotional state onto it. So that's who I'm <laughs> I thought you were definitely gonna say that you decided to wait until marriage. <laughs> isn't that like the whole point of those Twilight books? Is yeah, like yeah. don't have premarital sex. It's such yeah. a crazy wrinkle. And there's it's a- like it's better for you to literally die and become a monster than have premarital sex. <gasps> yeah, well, I thought the point was like if you have premarital sex, uh, you could die. You could die and become a monster, and then that guy's not even with you anymore. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's like the whole thing is crazy. Like rewatching it, like I get you have to just ignore like fifty percent of what's happening to enjoy it. Like you have to like be like, cause like Bella literally it's like has no control over anything. Like doesn't get to have sex when she wants, even when she has a child, she's like, I want to see my child. And they're like, you can't, you have to go hunt first. And like watching her, I, I like, it's just, I just, it's so, you have to ignore all of that, which I did, but it was. <laughs> <laughs> Marcy, who are you channeling? Okay. Well, I had to dig deep because I was like, do I watch rom-coms? <laughs> and I do. Um, so I am channeling from the movie, The Sweetest Thing, Christina Applegate's character, oh. Courtney. <gasps> yes. um, I am channeling the moment when she is in church and there's a little boy who keeps turning around to bother her. And she says, look, psst, Jesus, it's Jesus. Look, it's Jesus. <laughs> because I just like everyone to know, um, especially for any like right wing zealot, that like they should really take a look and see if they're actually being you know mm-hmm. led by Christian moral values mm-hmm. with what's going on in the world today it's all yes. Um, yes. mostly yes. I just yes. love that character because she tells everyone else what to do <laughs> and like <laughs> it's just like I don't know like all like she's just a busybody who's like you need to do this and we're gonna do this and I really identify with that yes I love that that. I always forget about that movie and I I have no idea how it holds up but I love that movie it's because it's like a very reluctant person like it's uh she's very reluctant to be romantic and all the characters sort of are and they're like very like you know it's more like about sex and and so it's a really female driven, like not sappy romantic comedy, I think. Yes. Yes. And yeah. And they're like, they're, they, they are like empowered in their sexuality. Unlike Bella. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I love that sentiment truly because it's like, Oh, religious. Fantastic. Like what would Jesus do? Absolutely. Uh, 
and then just kind of think about that a little harder. <laughs> I mean, not to be like fully like biblical, but like you got to read the things in the Bible and the people he sides with always. And it's if you're going to like map it, uh, it's pretty clear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, even with my family, and, I'm yeah. like, look, guys, uh, I don't like we can still like each other, but you can't be upset with me about my political beliefs and I'm ignoring yours to love you. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm doing a lot of it. Yeah, I like Twilight. Really. I have to ignore a lot of what's happening. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's not easy. It. So don't come at me, Stephanie Meyer. Uh, <laughs> speaking of ignoring some things sometimes to enjoy something. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good, that's a solid Transition. That was pretty solid. Thank you. Uh, I, guess, I guess in that vein, let's get into our movie discussion. Um, this week, we watched the 1993 romantic horror comedy film, So I Married an Axe Murderer. In this film, Charlie McKenzie, played by Mike Myers, is a beat poet living in San Francisco, who after walking into a meat shop one day, falls in love with a butcher, Harriet Michaels, played by Nancy Travis. However, after reading one of his parents' tabloids, Charlie comes to suspect that Harriet is actually a notorious serial killer called Mrs. X. Wanted in connection with a string of bizarre honeymoon killings. After being convinced by his cop friend, Tony Giardino, played by the lovely Anthony Lapaglia, that he's being paranoid, Charlie proposes to Harriet. But while on his honeymoon with her, he begins to fear they were right. So I Married an Axe Murderer was written by Robbie Fox and directed by Thomas Schmal. Oh, crap. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> that last name. Directed by Thomas Schmalmy. Ooh. <laughs> oh. I'm, I'm reading Schlamy, but. Schlamy. No, you're right. You're right. Okay. Great, great, great. Directed by Thomas Schlamy. Or, you know what, let's say Schlamey. That's not Schlamey. I said that was such confidence, too. Oh, wow. Um, he's a famous TV director. Um, I'm so, so sorry. bad. I'm, so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... Uh, directed by Thomas Schlamey. <laughs> so, did I get it right? Um, yeah. Oh, good, good, good. Um, so, and supposedly, little fun fact here, uh, screenwriter Robbie Fox told a blog that while he was writing the script, he was thinking about Annie Hall. But what if Annie Hall was a murderer? So that's where the inspiration came from for this film. And I got that from Mental Floss. Very deep. Very deep. Um, and so, yeah, that uh, there's a little bit about the film. Guys, what were our thoughts about this movie? And was it any of our first time seeing this film? N not my first time uh <laughs> also i don't want to come out of the gate because i kind of want to hear what you guys think but no. um i okay this was one of my favorites this would have come out when i was let's see 90 like i was in like junior high this was a movie i once i started watching it i realized i knew more than half of the dialogue because it was a <gasps> very quotable and I also even forgot, like, I was like, that's why I've been saying that. Like the fruits oh of gosh. the devil. I was like, I've been saying that for 20 years, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, guys, it really held up for me. I could not believe how <laughs> I still thought this was legitimately funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I am. I'm right with you. And I know, I think, Allie, this is your first time seeing it, right? Yes, this was my okay. first time seeing it. Okay, great. Then okay, I'll go next so that we can get your fresh <laughs> pair of eyes after. But Allie, I please don't change your opinion. Please. Don't change like, your opinion. <laughs> yes, I, yeah, because I um I want to jump in here and say yes, I too watched this um so much as a child. And I haven't seen it in certainly fifteen years, maybe more. And I was shocked when it started how much of the dialogue I knew and that I know all of the poems he says. Like yeah. I know all of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like shocked. And um, she stole yeah. my heart and my cat. <laughs> yeah, I, I, absolutely. <laughs> and yeah. And besides, besides like a few, like <laughs> some of the jokes that like, obviously like don't age well as 
is bound to happen in rom-coms, especially 1993. Uh, so yeah, some things don't age well for me, but I was also surprised at like how much I was laughing out loud and how like delighted I still was with the movie because as a kid, it blew my mind to be watching like a rom-com that also at the age I saw it at, I did view as like a legitimate thriller. Like I was certainly like afraid she was Mrs. X and was like, like remember at the end realizing that like it was in the tabloid and like yes. my mind was blown. Um, and then the reveal was shocking to me at the time. So Ali, I would love to know if you <laughs> saw the reveal. <laughs> but yeah, same. I, I, I loved it so much as a kid. I was surprised how much I remembered. And I, besides like a few things that bumped for me, I, I, it, it held up pretty well for me. as well. Yeah. Allie? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this was my first time seeing it. And I guess my like, my first take was just that it was so weird. <laughs> but honestly, in an incredible way, like I, I don't know if I've ever really seen a movie like this um, in that, like, there were these like, strange almost like sketch like scenes like <laughs> with the with his best friend um tony and tony's like boss where they have this like whole side story where like the chief of police like needs to be you know more hard ass and like tony's like helping this uh you know this chief of police be more like hard ass and stuff like this but also like i don't I really liked it. I really and it was not yeah. I like it was it was it was slow and it was weird, but I really, <laughs> really liked it. I liked I thought it was funny and strange and patient. Like I think I really liked how they they would take their time with their comedic bits and like that tour that with that tour oh guide. God. Phil Hartman. Phil, Phil Hartman that, is so good in that very small role oh my god incredible i thought that mike myers was going to be the axe murderer and mm -hmm. then quickly i was like oh no it's it's um the woman harriet is the axe murderer um and then it turns spoilers it's her sister ah, was that a surprise? Was that no surprising? no but that's just because that's just because i you know, she has that really long, weird monologue where she's like, let me get you. It's so funny. There's so many like funny, funny, talented character actors in this movie where she's like, let me make you silver dollar pancakes and like oh, freshly yeah. squeezed orange juice. And then she's like, just kidding. I don't have any of that. Oh um, and so like when when we did spend so much time on her sister, um, I was like, oh, I wonder if like she's going to come back um, and they usually in murder mysteries, I love murder mysteries. They always introduce the murderer within the, the first act. So I was like, Oh, I wonder if it's her. Also um, just like having Alan Arkin in like a two scene role is amazing. Yes. Wait, who is, is, is that the chief or who's Alan? Yes, Arkin? yes. 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 He's the precinct captain, Alan Arkin. And he's oh like, my God. I don't know. Like, I, I don't, sorry. I interrupted Allie. Please no. keep telling us. No, yes, yes, yes. No, he, no. no, but that's part of it. It's like, he, he was incredible. And so I just like, I don't really, I guess I don't see a lot of rom-coms that are that patient with comedy um, and invest that much in the comedy. And I really like that even though, yeah, like um, he was only in a couple of scenes. Um, he was incredible. And like, um, yeah, I, I really like this movie. <laughs> I had like so many theories about this and I would love to like hear the backstory of it all because when you first start watching it, I, I felt as if that Mike Myers is incredibly miscast for this role. I was like, <laughs> this is like a John Cusack kind of thing, right? Oh, but, I see that. But then I realized the movie would be just terrible and not funny without Mike Myers because you can really feel his specific comedy influence. I'm sure he rewrote a lot of it because, yeah. but this is one of his first big not uh, it's it's definitely it's, before it's, all the austin powers stuff it's yeah. but after wayne's world right is that how yes yeah. that's yeah. it so so uh but was it yeah it was after wayne's world but bef mm -hmm. but right after wayne's world so it yeah. felt like very influenced by him and 
as soon as I was like, oh, yes, he plays his own father. And I was just yeah. like, yeah, you could just feel him being like, I'll do it, but only if. Uh, and it's legitimately so many funny character things and so many good like bits just lots of bits really good so many yes. bits and i definitely think there's some background on what you're sensing marcy which i think totally mm -hmm. adds up which is that and ali correct me if i'm wrong because what i read about it was that is was the role in, intended for woody allen is that true yeah what well it was <laughs> it was it was that like i think he he before he like does he think Woody, Woody Allen's Allen, just like an actor? <laughs> it was like Woody Allen, I think Chevy Chase, Albert Brooks, and like Martin Short were considered for the role, but a lot of them didn't like um, the character. Because yeah. it and wasn't I, funny. The script. Because it wasn't funny. And then yeah. I think when Mike Myers was on set, he like butted heads with the director a lot because he's like, yeah. I want to add in a lot of these like bits that I think are funny and the director's like, this is my movie. And, um, and, oh, um, schlammy. This is such a schlammy. And it makes so much sense. And I'm, again, it's one of those magical things that I'm kind of glad it worked out the way it did, where it was like, sh schlammy wanted it to be for the over 30 crowd, which I get, I'm like, I've like changed as a viewer and I, now I'm in like the adult crowd. Like it works for me there. And Mike Myers wanted to like still, I don't know if this was his intention, but this is what like Shlomay said was like, he wanted to connect with his like 12 year old base from being like the zany guy. But it's so funny. Cause I know Marcy, like we both connected to it so much as children yes. that it ends up working on both levels. Absolutely. That's why it's so interesting that uh, I was kind of pleased to hear that Allie found it funny as well, because <laughs> some of it is just so legitimately like silly stuff. Yeah. Like the, the mother's character oh is so <laughs> funny. Brenda Fricker. Oh she is amazing. It, it, and even like the little like cameo from Debbie Mazar who plays mm. um, Tony. Is that his name? Yeah. Uh, Tony's girlfriend. Ironic, yes. not ironically, uh, but coincidentally, they are kind of love interests in Empire Records. Like, oh my god, you're <gasps> right. Yeah, you're, I forgot. I knew he was in it. I forgot she was uh, Rex Manning's manager. Yeah, she has the most <laughs> distinctive eyes in the industry. <laughs> beautiful, yes. so beautiful. And this is like this is not, neither here nor there, but she's in Beethoven, right? Well. And so is Charles, Charles Grodin, Grodin. <laughs> who is my favorite side character, who is the commandeered driver that Tony uh, tries to commandeer his car. When so he's weird. The funniest, it's like my, maybe my favorite scene in the movie. There's just <laughs> so many small roles filled by amazing comedians. Yeah. Uh, like the records lady, the woman looking up like the, the police officer. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. She is amazing. I, I haven't, yeah, I can't like. Oh, Kramer. Kramer from Seinfeld is in it as the guy yes. who has to freak out when he's when the, it, Bef I love before I love his real show. world freak out too. Yeah, that that yes. made it less funny knowing he had that was like his downfall uh, was similar. Look, you yeah. just gotta take it in the in the little fragments that you get it and just like yeah. let it exist yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's like also one of my favorite jokes is is like and just type of joke when like Mike Myers' character is overhears. Kramer and another newspaper employee yes. talking yes. about um, like that one of the victims and he's like trying and like they, it's hard to explain but one of my favorite jokes is when somebody asks a sincere question and the other person thinks you're saying they're an asshole is yeah. to me always it's, it's such a joy and it's played very per it's like all of the performances are just really nailed like I think yeah. that's what like a thing that isn't often allowed in the industry is for you to say, I want all of my friends that I respect to do this. And people are like, no, 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 we have casting people. It's like, no, no, let the people pick their, their buddies because yeah. Mike Myers has performed with all of them. And uh, very, uh, I just was so pleasantly surprised by it. It wasn't a chore. And so often yeah, <laughs> it can be to go back and watch like an old movie. You're like, Ooh. 
It's totally. And this, I was scared because I've been like talking to Allie about this for like a month now, being like, you gotta <laughs> yeah. watch this for spooky month. Uh, and I was like, what if it's horrible or like horribly offensive? And uh, besides, we can touch on, yeah, there was like definitely some like some early 90s like homophobia going on with the dad that was like light but still like oh bummer and I then, also uh, like will say though like with sorry I'm interrupting no, constantly please, please, no but like as someone who like uh, used to like teach comedy and you know I think a lot about comedy I think the sometimes maybe it just needs to be called out a little more directly but you yeah. can have people who have bad opinions in things as long as it's acknowledged as a bad opinion and i think that character is sort of playing a stereotype of like almost like an archie bunker kind of thing it's like yeah he's supposed yeah. to be he's supposed to have bad opinions and be a jerk like he's yeah. screaming at his son and making fun of the size of his head and saying oh that's he's gonna so go funny. cry like he's bad <laughs> that's the point of him he's a yeah. you know, he's bad <laughs> yeah i do think that he's playing a caricature of of that type of character and there was still oh i love when he's talking about his son's giant head and is like, I still was surprised when he was like, he's going to go sleep on his giant pillow. He's going to go cry on his giant pillow. His giant pillow. <laughs> yeah. We touched about this before, but it's like, I just loved how silly this movie was like that mm. whole, even, even the horror, like even the horror aspects of this film were still like, very silly and weird as well. Like everything that happens when they go to that um, honeymoon hotel when, um, and like everyone there is just like crazy and they, they put them in like this honeymoon chair and they like carry them up to the room. (laughs) The montage in the butcher shop. I was like, this makes no sense. (laughs) It's fun. It doesn't track. Unsanitary, but like, that's what's so fun is the kind of like, I don't know, at least, you know, most of the rom-coms that we watch are definitely more, the calm is more understated and um, it's a little bit more like wordplay and like not as like bit heavy, but like leaning into like having a, you know, a typical rom-com montage, but like playing with raw meat is like so <laughs> weird and refreshing and <laughs> I also love that they let her be funny. You could tell like yeah. I think Nancy Travis is amazing. You could tell maybe oh. not a natural comedian, which you know, <laughs> it's yeah. not easy, so I don't fault her for that, but but giving her moments where she got to be silly and funny and not just like that kind of deadpan like, "Oh, is she scary?" but genuine yeah. like, "Oh, that's very nice and you could feel like it was very like um generous to share in a lot of ways where like when the man when the, the when there's a male comedic lead they do not allow for the women yeah. to be funny and i like that they were like there they did this thing that i never really happens in comedies where the people are funny and that's why you're laughing not because weird things are happening to them yeah. 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 It's not that they're like in a situation that's comical, but yeah, that's like they're driving. Mike Myers is saying, hello. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, the like, that joke you mentioned, like the fruit of the devil, like everything was, yeah. He had like all these little act outs that were so funny. I loved Nancy Travis in this role. And also fun fact there, this is crazy, but I, I love it and I stand by it, which is that, um, so the role was supposed to potentially go to Kim Basinger or Sharon Stone. And Nancy Travis was like dating the producer. And she and so she like self-awarely is like, I literally slept with the producer to get the job. But that was like her boyfriend now husband. Oh, and oh, but I'm like, cute. she's perfect for the role. I wouldn't have liked the other two options. I, th- I, I, I was thinking this time around, like what an amazing casting choice she was. She's um, great. And like yeah. a refreshing choice. Also, I remember as a child being like, oh, she's not the typical, like, pretty, like, too yeah. hot. But she is so hot now that I'm real. I'm like, oh, yeah, she is actually super duper hot. She's just not blonde, like super blonde, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is I, my idea of pretty when I was a child. <laughs> t- totally. I remember thinking the same exact thing and then watching it now. And I'm like, oh, she has literal perfect hair. Like, literal is perfect. <laughs> and she probably doesn't have to do anything with it. 
but it is interesting because it's like those other choices were both sort of like more conventionally like uh like straight up attractive what you expect for this time and this genre and so to have her in it uh i think added to the film so much and was a great example of like, yeah, good job, producer boyfriend. Like, yes. The correct choice. Sometimes it's okay to have some mm. uh, sexual nepotism. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's like an iconic role now. I weird that he's a beat poet. What oh a my God. strange how money. Can how does he make money? That was oh one God. thing that like I got like crazy hung up on and I was like, Ali, let it go. Maybe it's because <laughs> um, you know, I spend um I spend a lot of time at um UCB and you know, we've never gotten paid. And so like <laughs> I'm like, he's at this really nice coffee shop. Um, but like um doing I was like, is that his job? Is he's just a poet? He's not getting paid to do this is he it, but no, look at his apartment it's so nice wait which was his apartment i cannot remember oh, he's like sitting with a lot apartment. of books there's her apartment <laughs> yes but her, like there's like, like one there's a shot of him like writing and like he's sitting a lot like with a lot of there's like a book sh- like lots of bookshelves behind mm-hmm. him i remember that he's like wearing glasses He's wearing glasses. Yeah, like it's so crazy that he's a beat poet and it's never established how he makes money. And I feel like that added to the like old school noir vibe of it. Um, and also I loved the his beat poetry like as a kid as much as I like it as an adult. Those are like <laughs> some of my favorite moments. Yeah, there is ever. something so funny about like um, like the character, the reason why he's afraid to commit, he like, not the reason, he's afraid of commitment and therefore he picks the very smallest things about women to decide to like, it's almost like very Jerry Seinfeld-esque. Uh, yeah. You know, we're picking these things like, I can't be with her because she's got man hands, sort of. That's not the specific from this movie, but but that. And then, it, and then to be like, okay, she's a murderer. And they're like, you're come on stop doing this <laughs> yes speaking of you know um mike myers character of charlie something like i was wondering going in watching this was like will i buy you know mike myers as a you know like a, a rom-com leading man because i'm a big fan of austin powers but like he kind of leans into his like um um uh, his kind of like crudeness and like um he, he's not what you would typically imagine and i thought he was so lovely and charming and like wonderful in this and i totally i was like i get why they're together and i thought that they had good chemistry and that he pulled off being like uh, a romantic leading man and then after i saw this movie i was like why what happened to mike myers like he's lovely in this i love austin powers like what what happened and i think uh, just doing some research and you see this, you know, sometimes with like, you know, very passionate creatives, but like, it seems like he just was too hard to work with. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. He, I, saw, I saw that he was hard to work with in this, but I didn't know whose fault it was. It, mm. He has a, yeah, he kind of, he got into a pretty bad lawsuit with Universal Studios over some creative issues where... Um, he like wrote a script about like a character that he played on SNL. Um, and he wasn't happy with the script. So he tried to pull out of the project and then Universal sued him and then he sued Universal. And then, uh, he also had some, he was very like demanding on, um, Pat in the Hat set and that movie then flopped crazy and that's a crazy thing to be demanding on i mean i don't know what it's like to be that successful but (laughs) but it's just um and it's you know it's it's interesting because like the thing that you know we love about him in this movie which is like his creative takes and his bold choices um and he added so much of himself to this character i think then ended up turning to be his kind of down downfall is too dramatic of a word, but like kind of his um, kind of ended his career because um, 
he he became um, a little bit inflexible and directors didn't want to work mm. with him anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm going to say that I'm... I'm going to side with Mike Myers knowing nothing other than he was divorced like two years later. Uh, I, I think he was going through some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Also, I, I think he really suffered from um, being a type of comedian, actor, writer who fit in an era and he was a part of it. Yeah. He and Adam Sandler were, you know, it was all that era of like extreme character driven comedy and that kind of went away and you know i'm sure he didn't love having to just do like the cat in the hat and and the love guru was Mm -hmm. terrible and so i just feel like it was like a really a moment in time and very hard for him to acclimate to different things and he's not really seen as like he's not like jim carrey who did do a crossover to do other types of roles pretty yeah like yeah. surprisingly Dramatic. well. Yeah. 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 Which which is a bummer because seeing this, I, I totally agree, Allie, that I was shocked to find that I found him so charming and like yeah. a good actor. He's a good actor. Yeah. And I'm I like would have loved to see him in more serious roles after seeing this movie. It's not too late. He can come back. Yeah, you can come back. I don't know what uh, he's doing these days, but I, I, I will say I had a huge crush on him as a, a kid too. Oh, yeah, I get it after rewatching it. It is so funny too, like just you know, for especially like Mike Myers, who's like studied comedy for so long and performed it for so long. You're like at a certain point, you have to be like, okay, director, you know how to make a shot list, but. Do you really yeah. understand the nuance of like what people are going to laugh at? <laughs> As, I think really truly like, and I'm being a jerk here because I'm a stage performer, but I think there's something that stage performers know that other people will never understand, which is like, yeah, we can feel it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I also like work with directors who are really funny, but also, I mean, I'm coming from like the world of Brooklyn nine, nine and yes. they trust that like, if Andy Samberg wants to do something, he's going to be funny. Like he's, And truly, he is like of this kind of like coming from the same uh, stock as Mike Myers with SNL. It's just like, yeah, he knows what he's doing. He's very funny and nothing just me like now I'm going through my own psychological thing. Nothing was scarier (laughs) than being on set with Andy Samberg and he needed some new jokes like very fast because we had to keep going. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) did it turn out okay? (laughs) Yeah, I came up. He was so, and he was so nice about it. Like in the moment, there's a lot of pressure because we, you know, there just is the pressure of like, we have to move on. And there's all the entire cast was in the scene. And I was like, oh my God, I have five minutes to beat the things we worked on writing for two months. Um, (laughs) uh, But then afterwards, I was like, he, like after the take, he was like, was that funny? I was like, yeah, it was really funny. He's like, okay, good. Thank you. And I was like, oh, that's all it took. It's just like to be like, uh, like sometimes he's like, I, you know, anyone could be like this. I want something different to happen. And then it made it, it made the cut. You know, that's, that's how that stuff works is sometimes, and you can get defensive about it. Guys, I'm talking too much behind the scenes stuff, but <laughs> I really do think that's the thing. It's like, you can either play along with someone who you trust and you cast them because they're brilliant yeah. or you can get defensive and then they're, and then it's going to be harder for them to do their job. Yeah. Yeah. In so many of the rom-coms we love, we find out so much of the process was collaborative with the performers. Yeah. And that's whenever it's like one of the best ones, it's because it was like, Oh, this line was improvised by this comedic actor. Yeah. Uh, and you're like, that's most iconic. Full disclosure, one, uh, Andy Samberg is the nicest person. I love him. Um, and <gasps> oh I mean, obviously, God. he's almost my boss, so I couldn't talk bad about him. But I wouldn't bring him up unless I was like truly like watching him. I was like, oh, my God, I never like he's funny, but I never knew how actually good he is. He He's funny with no preparation. You can like shout a line across the room. He's like, got it. And you're like, how did he make it so much funnier than what I, it was? But also with Mike Myers, I've performed with him and I think he's <gasps> lovely. What? what? Oh my gosh. At UCB. Not at UCB. I um, took classes in New York at this uh, smaller improv theater called The Magnet. And oh, yeah. he was friends with Armando Diaz, who was one of the founders of the, actually one of the, like the teachers at UCB originally, but then found at The Magnet later. 
And he was doing a show on Saturday nights for like a while. Like I want to say a couple months he would like is if he was available, he was dropping in every Saturday. And I was actually an intern there. I like <laughs> sold sodas and he would always tip like a soda was a dollar and he would t- give me a $5 tip on top of the dollar. Um, and then uh, just weirdly, sometimes I would be asked to sit in with tiny spectacular. And so I got to do a show with him and he is fun. You know, he's like a lot of those comedians, like you're like, Oh, he's going to do the character he wants to do, but he was yeah. still like so gracious and playful and like, kind of timid and sweet oh my, oh my gosh. gosh that's incredible and that's so comforting to hear i'm so that's that's an, what an amazing experience my takeaway is the way he treated an intern is maybe more important than how he ever talks to a director yeah oh that's a really good rule of thumb yeah I love that story. Thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, I That's love to brag. Incredible. I'm just bragging no, and flexing no, my muscles. No, <laughs> no. That's oh my gosh. I love that. That's so yeah. cool. And and I didn't also didn't think about how similar Andy Samberg situation is where yeah. he did successfully he just, exit SNL and is now like a rom-com lead and so successful in Palm Springs. Palm Springs, yeah. Oh, so yeah. good in Palm Springs. Before we move on, if we have to move on, before we move on, can I say two more things about the movie? Yes. That yeah. I just have to say. Please. Which is that... Um, okay, which is that the cup scene in the beginning to me is like <gasps> one of the most iconic things in the world that I that blew my mind as a child where there's yeah. just like a point of view shot where like someone's drinking a coffee and it goes through all the steps of being washed and represented to Mike Myers. Um, and I just love that. And that like, like interested from a filmmaking standpoint. And then also the movie had the most interesting transitions um, that I wouldn't have noticed. But of course, for those of you who have heard before, I was watching movies with my parents and I was watching with my stepdad, Scott. And he of course paused <laughs> the movie to point out the transitions and rewinded it to show me again. Um, so for you, Scott Head out there, a big fan of the, the Scott Head. Of- <laughs> you know, it's funny. I noticed that too. Like the sort of it's like a weird tracking shot as the movie begins. Like you see the skyline of the city, and then it goes down to the street with the Jack Kerouac sign, and then it goes into yeah. the coffee shop, and then you see uh, a bus a bus boy return an a cup and they barely rinse it out and they pour two other half drank cups of coffee into it. And then I, I was like, this is very funny because you can feel how much effort was put into it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's so irrelevant. But yeah. I, I love oh and then the last thing I'll say is that the music was fantastic. Uh, and it had all the best songs from the 90s. Yes, absolutely. Not even 90s. Like, There She Goes is like an old song, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. You're right. Yeah. Because this would have been 93. Yeah. It was yeah. like a lot of and stuff from the more. 70s, possibly, right? Like, yeah. even like the dad singing at the, if you want my body, I oh just think I'm 60. <laughs> So good. Such a good scene. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a piper down. I mean, we can see Fat Bastard being like <laughs> workshop in that yeah. scene. <laughs> oh You're my God. so right. <laughs> so yeah, this would be a good time to transition to counting up the tropes. Um, this, as you know, for October, we are doing spooky rom-coms. And um, I still saw a fair amount of rom-com tropes in this. We definitely had a female lead with, with a quirky job. Where she is a butcher, (laughs) which is just you don't normally see. Um, We had a meat cute over some haggis, uh, which a literal meat cute. Nailed it! Right for the picking. Wow. (laughs) Um, We had the perfect, perfect, sexy circumstance where she, which was like less on the sexy, more on the calm, but where she's so busy, she's got to sell all the meat, and who? Who could help her? <laughs> Charlie. Uh, that was great. We have... Uh, they both have huge-ass apartments. Then I had Montage of the Good Times, where... Ali, what do we call this? When it's like, you know, you just see a montage of them, like, getting to know each other. Yeah. Uh, where they immediately got hot dogs again. <laughs> so they got so hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> so many hot dogs. Um, I had a grand gesture. The most amazing scene where he brings his, like, jazz band... Yes. <laughs> and perform deep poetry. Um, I have friends obsessed with love life. Uh, Tony obsessed with love life. Rose 
a little too obsessed. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and then um, I have one more to present to you guys, which I oh, do good. think is where this comes from, which is that um, the partner's parents wanting to show you their baby photos. Oh yes, like, yes. Like, that's so like that's such a thing. I remembered as a kid being like, that's what happens when you have a boyfriend, and then it just like didn't really ever happen. Yeah, that's I've uh, never done that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had I had all of those too, and then I just have like there's this scene oh where they're in the rain. They like walk home in the rain. I'm trying uh, to think if they kiss in the rain. I can't. I just know that they're both like wet in it and that's um, very manic pixie she's like i'd like to walk and they're I'd like, like to walk, walk in the path. rain yeah i'd like to walk <laughs> <laughs> and then i had uh that it and and this is like a little bit um we have to bend it a little bit but did you did you have that it ends in a wedding oh i did have wedding i forgot yeah i did i did i forgot that i had wedding in there there's a it kind of ends in a wedding but then you know they go on to their honeymoon where you know they're nervous that um uh she's gonna kill him um gonna kill charlie um yeah those are those are the other two i had i think you nailed all of the rest of them um marcy did you did you spot any kind of like classic rom-com or classic horror tropes that were like you're like oh because remember it's october spooky month i mean Um, if lightning behind an old manor (laughs) ain't a trope i don't know what is (laughs) there's also the um um, uh, val doth protest too much moment where on their first date he's like i i'm not gonna i want to kiss you but i'm not gonna kiss you because kissing right here will lead to kissing on the couch and then that will lead to kissing in your bedroom and then we know how that goes like that is a very common thing where someone's like i'm not gonna do this and then they immediately do it also interestingly (laughs) a nice little consent moment there where she's like i'd like Uh, you to stay the night and i was like how about that that never it's usually someone being like i don't want to kiss you and then do then someone kisses them anyway you're like wait that's the opposite but instead she just like verbalized it and i was like how about that Oh my yes. gosh. I, I can't tell you how refreshing that was to see after Twilight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, I was just like, thank God. I was just like, all right, she's calling the shots here. I love that. Yeah. And it was uh, nice to see a woman that like is like owning her sexuality as well, which is refreshing for the 90s. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes and the genre. Um, I love that. Also, okay. this is not okay. a genre thing, but just love that he, because uh, like, I was, I love his little whitey tighties and his cow falling off, <laughs> oh. showing his butt. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. Well, that brings us to 12 tropes, which is pretty in the middle, but I think for a genre mashing movie, impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Can I tell you guys one more thing before yeah. the tropes? Which is Please. that, um, and Marcy, we see this all the time, which is that. Rom- reviewers hate rom-coms specifically i want to now say that roger ebert hates rom-coms oh my god i read because, roger ebert's review oh too. did you read it i, I quoted <laughs> yeah. some of it i quoted was, the ending because it was vicious it was scathing he was like i roger ebert is all over the place like i don't know he's if i always so i mean he's unpredictable but i think I, I now think he hates rom-coms and he hated all of the rom-com elements of this and again he's like constantly like it's a formula uh, and it's like yeah uh, yeah roger that's why we like it but this is how we <laughs> end his review his editor's note the makers of this film decided to spell axe with the e semicolon we at the sun times spell axe without the e just in case you thought we were sloppy. Ooh, God. That is the end of the review. Wow. <laughs> that, they, that they misspelled ass. Also, so. did I, the, well, I mean, you got a Canadian uh, a lead in the cast. And I also want to like contest his like argument about the formula. It's like, it's a formula because it's a crossover genre. If you yes. don't do the formula, then the crossover genre is not, it's no longer a crossover genre. You have yes. to do it. Wow. And as a writer, everything's a formula. <laughs> I threw my pen. Yes. I literally got mad. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliantly said. That's right. It's not the the tropes and the structure is what, what makes it the genre. And it's 
the story that we love and that you can surprise them with. The magic yes. is the the nuance and the specifics in which you can make it work within the formula. Totally. Yes. I thought the specifics were so unique. Best like, movie ever. Best <laughs> movie ever, Roger. <laughs> Speaking of Roger rating this and us disagreeing, I think this is a pretty good little transition uh, into um, our most, um, our one of our more serious, more serious uh, segments, which is um, where we rate this rom com. So we here at PS I Love Rom Coms have an ever changing list of top five rom coms. The list started off with the top five highest grossing rom coms, but over the last couple of months, as we've watched more and more films, we've voted in and voted off many a rom coms. And now here are our top five rom coms. We have Notting Hill, When Harry Met Sally. Love and Basketball, Always Be My Maybe, and My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Ooh. So now, if if we choose today, we can put, so I, murder, I married a <laughs> axe murderer <laughs> on that list, but we have to unanimously agree to vote off one of those other top five to replace it with. So what are we thinking? Do we want to put, so I married an axe murderer on that list? Does it deserve a spot? And if so, who should it knock off? It doesn't <gasps> actually deserve to knock someone off, but maybe I can make an argument for why Notting Hill is bad. <laughs> <gasps> okay. okay. In in intrigued. 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 <laughs> Julia Roberts is awful as a, as a character, she's a bad person, and Hugh Grant's character only likes her because she's hot, and that and she is <laughs> fully mean to him every step of the way, except when she is having sex with him. It is all give oh, and no take. Wow. 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 And in this I, one, I think pretty, uh, like I said, already generous, very, a lot of give and take with uh the comedy and also like not just like the commentary being like oh you're a silly boy just like genuinely like banter and in their relationship some give and take hmm. wow wow marcy uh, coming with her a game we love it we love it wow. i shall i should say also if I manage to convince you that you should knock Notting Hill out, it is truly just me manipulating the, <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> yeah, here's what I'll say. I hadn't thought about it that way. And I think that's because I was so pumped on the gender switch of the mm -hmm. power dynamic that um, I hadn't noticed that what also might be happening in Notting Hill is what we constantly see when the gender is flipped how it normally is where the man is kind of like an asshole and then it's like the woman sort of like gets him down to his like vulnerable pieces and then we're all like oh he was nice at the end yeah. um so yeah that is that is super interesting and a take i am like uh, i'm like i definitely see that take where i went i don't know you guys i don't know i i, I, de I definitely I, I still like to keep nodding hill on from just the pure joy it gives me um from just Richard Curtis's writing gives me so much joy. And that Elvis I Costello song. Yes. She yes. could be the beauty of the beast. <laughs> Elvis Costello in a rom-com is like, I mean, that's enough to get it on the top five for me. I could, here, I could maybe lose love in basketball for only the calm <gasps> reason. Only the uh, calm reason. Get it this out of me. <laughs> I know. Okay, but here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. I, I'm not, I don't need love in basketball to leave the list. And what I will say is, so I Made an Axe Murder does it not have to be on the top five, but it will be going on my personal top five list and joining 27 <gasps> Dresses and Forgetting Sarah Marshall, who have been wow. kicked off this. And it's my top five. So I will preemptively say I'm going to put it on my top five and it, it, it can go on the list or not. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, like what, what I will say about what, what I think so I Married an Axe Murderer lacks is that it, it it does have romance, but not as much as like I personally, um, you know, am looking for in a rom-com. Mm -hmm. Like I, 
me and I, you know, debate um, our personal preferences. And I'm definitely a heavy rom, you know, not as into the calm. That's why I love I love an even uh, split. And in this, a a three way split, rom, calm and horror. horror. And and what I'll say is, yeah, the horror I think I think the calm. I think so. I married an axe murderer is heavy, heavy calm, you know. And then the the horror and the romance are kind of like evenly split. Versus like, I, I think I just need a little bit more, a little bit more romance. Like there is that lovely scene where I I really like the scene where Mike Myers like knocks on the door and apologizes to her, but I, I think he leans more into his humor as a way to charm her. And there's like with comedians, you don't see a lot of like true vulnerability um, or as much as like I'm craving, like in love and basketball, so much vulnerability. Um, uh, and uh, same, same with Notting Hill. And so that that's why I wouldn't put it on um, the top five list, but I would put it in and me and I never do number one spots, but <laughs> the number one spot on the um the uh our new list, our October list of um <gasps> All right. Oh my god, really? I'm so excited. Yes, this is the number one spooky rom com. <laughs> That's exciting. That is exciting. Wow. Oh wow. Yeah. I think it's time for our final segment called Reality Check. Um, and in this segment, we test out the tropes and plot devices in the rom-coms we've just watched and see if they hold up in the real world. In So I Married an Axe Murderer, we see a literal meet-cute where Charlie meets Harriet at her butcher shop. It's cute and a little creepy. Have any of us fallen for a stranger in a love-at-first-sight kind of way? And was it a little bit creepier spooky like the movie? I have an embarrassing <gasps> one, too. Oh, <laughs> oh wait. I... Yes. I as a former desperate twenty-year-old, I I have had two very distinct in my mind and uh, instances. One was at a juice shop, and I had a nice little banter with the man making my juice. And then I wrote a misconnection; it was never answered. The second one is <laughs> the second one actually predates that, and it is much more horrifying what I've done. Okay, oh, no. I <gasps> opened up a bank account. <laughs> And the banker signing, like, putting all my checking stuff together or whatever, like, enrolling me, he was very fun. We had a great conversation. Like, we we really talked forever. He even, like, read some, like, uh, letters that his niece wrote him. Like, he was laying it on thick. And in hindsight, he was definitely flirting with me. Fast. And this was when I first moved to New York. Like, within the first two weeks of me moving like directly from college to New York city. And I knew no one in the city. Um, and (laughs) I, um, (laughs) like a week later or something like that, went out to a bar by myself and I was like, I'm going to make friends tonight. And I literally like told people, I was like, I'm new here. I don't know anyone in New York. (laughs) And then proceeded to get very drunk with strangers. Then I got very sad guys. And <laughs> it's three or four. It's probably four in the morning because bars close late there. I decide to take the subway all the way down from the Upper West Side to from like, um, yeah, Upper West Side, like around the Amsterdam bar scene up there to Christopher Park. No, is that the right one? Christopher Square, whatever it is. And I remember being it's raining. It's winter. It uh, oh, it man. is four a.m. or later. Oh my gosh! I remember seeing rats running around in the park. Oh. That I was fully <gasps> alone, fully alone in the park. <gasps> and I take out the business card this banker gave me, and I called, and I left him a drunk, rambling message. <laughs> or I said yes. I was crying, and I said. I'm really lonely in this city and you were just so nice to me and I don't know anyone. And it was just, so. and I, I rambled on until the thing cut off. I called a business phone. I didn't call his personal. I called the bank. I called the bank. And then I was like, Oh my God, what did I do? And then oh I called back God. to be like, I'm so sorry I left that message. It's just that I'm <laughs> so lonely. And I, and I cried again in the second one. Oh, no. 
And then the next morning I woke up and I was so embarrassed. I was alive. Thank God. And I was like, I got it. This is terrible. What did I do? And then I wrote him a letter and mailed it again to the bank. Oh my God. (laughs) I never heard from him. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, that's so sweet. It's really embarrassing. Use that in something right. That's like incredible. I mean, I contact the bank three times directly. I I bet other people got all of it and were like, "What is happening?" (laughs) Oh my god, that's incredible. It's very embarrassing, guys. So romantic though. It's so romantic. If it had worked out, absolutely. (laughs) Oh my god, and it was so spooky too. Yes, it is spooky. Very scary. Very bad 22-year-old choice. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Allie, do you have one? I have one. My my mom was celebrating her 60th birthday, and we went to – she's always wanted to go see some, like, very rural castles in France. And Ooh. so, like, we went to, like – very <laughs> That's very Jennings women. I would have said <laughs> <laughs> We love <laughs> old buildings, old European buildings. We're all about it. And so I, like, for her, for her birthday, I just, like – drove her around um, the French countryside and we saw a bunch of these old castles and these like very small French towns. And there's this one very tiny, tiny French town that we went to. I don't remember what it was called, uh, but she, uh, it's like very small. Um, the, all the streets are cobbled. Um, there, We had no cell service. We go to this small French town and it's known for its caves. It has these like very old caves that are under the town. Um, and so we under the were town? like, under That's- the town. So terrifying. <laughs> and so we were like, oh, we got we got to the town um a little bit like as the sun was setting. And we we're like, oh, we gotta go on these cave tours. And so we were the last, there was like one last cave tour, and we were the only two people on it. It was just me and my mom and this cave tour guide. And we like go down this elevator into uh this cave and our our cave tour guide is very handsome man he's like like i think he's flirting with me it's hard to tell i i always (laughs) think people are flirting with me when they're not and um and uh we're talking about like calcium deposits like he was really impressed that i knew that like oh stalagmites are formed by like calcium deposits and he was like hey do and like my mom's with me so i can't you know get like a really really flirty um and show my my cave knowledge off but um he's like hey do you want to go in this like part of the cave where i'm not really allowed to take people and oh my, <laughs> my mom and I are like, yeah, sure. And so he's like, okay. And so he, they're like ropes that, you know, you have to like, that keep you on the path. And so he like lifts up one of the ropes and he was like, come down this cavern that we're not supposed to take people down. And so my mom and I follow him down this kind of like cavern. And he's like, you want to see something really, really cool? And we're like, yeah. And he turns off the lights in the cave so that it's in we're in complete darkness. And in that moment, I was like, oh my God, my mom and I are in a cave in the small town in France with a man. He He's the only one who knows that we're down here. We, we could be murdered right now. He could, he could, he could hit us over the head with a cave rock and toss us down into this like cavern and no one will ever find our bodies. And we could, we could die. Um, uh, oh. And we're in like, uh, complete pitch black, but then he turns lights back up and you know takes us to the surface. And um, um, I I still don't know if he, you know, thought I was cute or wanted to kill me. Um, what but the, what was the cool thing he was showing you? The dark, <laughs> dark. Did he not know, like, wait, did he not know about eyelids? Did no one tell him? That- <laughs> it seems like this trope kind of checks out, which is like, you know, when it comes to love. Sometimes you want to take risks um, because the reward is so great, but sometimes those risks are risky. And yes. so, um, you know, to try to find that that delicate line between um, risky and romantic and risky and creepy is is a 
is a hard one uh, to find. Um, so it looks like it checks out. I will um, say I've done a full 180 and I uh, don't do anything anymore. So yeah. And my mom and I haven't been down in any cave since then. So um, <laughs> well, that is our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today, Marcy. Thanks for um, having me. Yes. Um, do you have any social media things to promote or important romance advice for our listeners? Oh my gosh. Romance advice. Um, not really. Uh, other than go to therapy individually. Yes, that is excellent. And we we talked about the importance of therapy on uh, our last episode. So yes, very, very good advice. Very good advice. And then anything you want to promote, social media that people should check out? Um, you know, I'm on Instagram, Marcy Lane too. I don't really do a lot there. And then I'm on Twitter, Marcy Lane, not a lot there, but I have some other podcasts. I got a funny feeling with other spooky stories. Uh, and then if you like reality television, I have one called Kardashian about all things Kardashian. And then I have one called 90 day Bay with Nicole Byer. And we talk about 90 day fiance. <gasps> oh my gosh. Yes. Oh. Amazing. Um, go check out Marcy's pod and check her out. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We have a new episode out every week. And remember to like, subscribe, and rate. And we are brought to you by the fine folks at Campfire Media. And P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Me too. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Ever wanted to hear from the neighbor at 9 Cloverfield Lane? Or what if I told you that Dr. Loomis's worst patient wasn't Michael Myers? I'm Adam Peacock, host of the podcast My Neighbors Are Dead. Join me each week as I talk to the lesser-known characters from your favorite horror films. Each week is an all-new, fully improvised journey into the unknown, featuring friends and luminaries from the worlds of comedy, horror, and beyond. New episodes every Tuesday on Campfire Media. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Campfire.